Welcome to a very special episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. There are a lot of firsts happening today. This is the first time we've done an episode around Valentine's Day. And so we thought we'd pick a song that would kind of bring up that sort of dreamlike quality of the season. And also, Frank is not with us today. So we have called in two special guests to make up for the loss of Frank. And those special guests are Dave Kitchen and coming all the way from northern Saskatchewan, Dave the Wolfman Hauser, who actually happens to also be my brother. So this is pretty big. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome back, Kitch, and welcome, Wolfman. The song that we're doing today is These Dreams by Heart, and we would be remiss if we did not have anything from Frank. And so I convinced Frank to send us an audio file all the way from his ship somewhere off the coast of Antarctica. So here's Frank. Hello. So you've probably noticed that I am not on the podcast tonight. Um, For good reason. I am just leaving Ushuaia in Argentina at the moment as I head down to Antarctica and eventually hopefully run a marathon down there. Uh, You are in very, very good and capable hands with Bill, Dave, and Dave uh, uh, for today's podcast. And uh, just wanted to reach out to our listeners and say, Everything's going well. The trip has been very um, uneventful COVID-wise, and uh, uh, everyone uh, who has signed up for this uh, excursion has made it down to this point, and uh, hopefully in a couple of days we will actually be making landfall on the continent and uh, enjoying ourselves there as much as running a marathon on an ice continent can be enjoyable. As for tonight's episode... Uh, These Dreams, really wish I was here to be a part of this discussion. Great song, great power ballad, great band, Heart. They had some incredible hits back in the day, and I'm uh, sore uh, that I'm missing out at this, but I have a feeling that uh, this won't be the only song by Heart that we do. But uh, just uh, saying a a big hello down from the Southern Hemisphere to our, uh, our listeners. All right, so that was Frank. Uh, gotta be honest, I'm still not sure if he actually went. The, there's a possibility he's just doing this all from his basement. This pretty elaborate stunt. I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, we hope you're doing fine, Frank. This is like that episode of Cheers where Norm went away on vacation, but he was actually just in the back closet of the bar the entire time. So, Frank, we hope you're hearing this episode wherever you are when, when you're hearing it and shaking your fist at your uh, podcast device. So, uh, Wolfman, could you give us a little uh, history of your um, relationship to radio? You're a bit of a radio personality up from the north. Yeah, I, was, uh, I started having a radio show when I was in uh, northern Ontario, I think from year 2004 to 2006. Uh, so it was around the... Moose and Moose Factory area, so that uh, plays to about uh, 7,000 people. So I played a lot of hits. Basically, I played a lot of guilt-free pleasures. And as I went around, sometimes I would go around to uh, 
to different gatherings, people would be playing the songs that I played. And I don't think they were playing those those before. By the time I left, after three years, they were attached to these guilt-free pleasure songs. So it's kind of a tradition in our family of changing the world one song at a time. But today I brought the, the Valentine's Day special, right? By heart, you know? I know Valentine's was coming soon. Well, this was your choice. So we, we gave you a free range to make, a, make an option, and you picked Heart. We were kind of expecting Peter Cetera, to be honest, but it was quite a swerve. So pleasantly surprised, although I'd be thrilled to do Peter Cetera too. Yeah, I wanted the, the lyrical analysis for this is going to be great. You know, they bring you through a labyrinth, and almost in the movie Labyrinth with the hair that you find with the, uh, oh, yes. the hair in the videos. Well, that's a little bit of a preview. Pre- yeah. Okay, well, let's let's start with Heart the Band. Uh, Kitch, you, you, uh, I know I've, I've seen you spending a lot of time going through sort of the, the history of the band, at least we talked through. Could you give us a bit of a rundown, what you've, uh, what you've discovered so far? Um, well, I, this is a band that I didn't realize how good they were and how many, how many um, hits that they have. Uh, so consistently, every album, when you look at their discography, there's always a song that's really recognizable. And it's one of those bands, I always say that they're bands that if you saw them at concert, you'd always be blown away by how many um, songs you recognize. And this is definitely one of them. But these guys rocked in the early uh, period of their career. The, um, the, the Barracuda and Kick It Out and songs like that are really, really strong. So um, it was just neat to go back and listen to some of this stuff because I haven't really listened to it hard a lot. But uh, but yeah, solid, solid stuff from the very beginning and kind of a murky beginning to the band because they had a falling out right after their first um, release because the record company wasn't really supporting them all that much. And, uh, and then they, they had some bad press because the record company released an album with the two pictures of the band members and then was it a, a um, somebody might have to help me out here but was it a, a reporter that's that hinted that they were in a love uh like a they were like an incestuous love relationship or something like that yeah 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 i read about that that they someone thought that they weren't actually sisters that someone thought that they were in a it was a love relationship sisters you know and it was the uh the 80s she took it uh she didn't take it very well no that's that's horrible that's like that's probably one of the worst things you could suggest well this was still in the 70s this was this was like 77 that i think this happened and um and it it you know it just goes to show you how uh one of the great things about heart is that it's it's two women doing this that, you know, and it's there. There weren't a lot of women bands, or at least that that I know of, that were so popular. And I really feel like it's a male audience that just doesn't know how to handle that, and so they project something onto this band that's not even there, and then they have to go from it. But from what I understand, Barracuda was written in reaction. So one of the sisters went into her hotel room and just holed up in her hotel room, and then wrote Barracuda as a response to this. So um, you know, one of those testaments to great art coming from great pain sometimes which is unfortunate but a great song that came out of it all right well there you go so this is and and that's that's before we even get to this song so we we know they've they came through canada to start right this is what i didn't realize because one of their uh was it the guitarist was um 
a draft dodger for the Vietnam War. And so they came up to Canada. Is that true? The lean singer, Ann Wilson. Yep. She had a relationship with... Uh, so there's a guy in the band called Roger Fisher. So Ann Wilson had a relationship with uh, his brother, Mike Mike Fisher. And uh, he got drafted... From what I hear, he got drafted into the, into the army to go to Vietnam. Yep. And he decided to dodge the draft. Okay. And so they, they moved up to Vancouver. Yeah. The whole band... There you go. Uh, coming out of Canada, kind of like, uh, well, Heart and then Men Without Hats. <laughs> well, one thing, the, you know the movie Twins at the end, and you've got uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, and they've got the relationship with the two sisters? So that's kind of, I think it's based on the band Heart. Because in Heart and Wilson, she was dating um, Mike Wilson, right? Yeah. And then uh, Nancy Wilson, she started dating... Roger Fisher, right? So we had uh, the Fisher brothers and the Wilson sisters, and they were dating together, right? Well, uh, that is certainly possible. So you heard it here first that the relationship and the 1988, I believe, classic twins based on Hart, possibly. Possibly apocryphal. But either way, better to jump on it early. So uh, they, they had a string of hits, and then... As we say in Saskatchewan, Dave, the well ran dry. So we have a band who who uh, wasn't doing too great as far as like the records weren't selling. They weren't going platinum anymore. The one previous to this did not do well. And so this one, they brought in the producers and then they decided in order for you to start getting hits, we got to bring in some outside writers. So they have a whole bunch of songs that are written by other people, but they do really well. So this sets up the band for the next period of their career. Whether they like it or not, it's kind of, I think they're not thrilled about it, but this is, this is the heart I love anyways. It's definitely a different sound for them, but it's, it's you know, having done a few songs uh, on this podcast now, I definitely see a trend. Something happens in the 80s where everything just softens. And I'm not sure if it's the introduction and the shift towards synthesizer music or whatever mm -hmm. but a lot of bands go through this period where where they i don't know maybe it's just maturation where they they grow grow up a bit or whatever and turn towards softer stuff but but it definitely works but you're right about them moving away from songwriting because i'm just looking at the songs for the album that comes out after this album and the uh the wilsons are only in on three songs out of ten and then the following album after that is the one with All I Want to Do is Make Love to You in 1990. And they're only in three of those songs as well. So they definitely move towards more, more outside influence. But it seems to work for them because their career does have this renaissance. And this is the, uh, for me, I mean, all those songs from the 70s just are so punchy and powerful. But, but the iconic ones come from this period. And this is the, but it may, maybe because it's also the time that I'm, paying more attention to music in my own life too. But, you know, Alone and All I Want to Do is Make Love to You and those kind of songs are so iconic to me. And this one is is the is incredible. Uh, what's also incredible is it's the third single from the album. The first single is What About Love, which is a banger. And then I think Never is the next one. And then These Dreams, which is going to alter, you know, everything. There's a before these dreams, after these dreams, I think, in terms of history, rock and roll. 
I agree. <laughs> so, okay. All right, Wolfman, who wrote this song? Do you know this? Yes, uh, who wrote it was Martin Page and Bernie Toppin. And you know that they also wrote before this, they wrote um, We Built This City, which you guys covered uh, maybe two or three weeks ago. That's right. This was the second, well, basically, there's two songs Bernie Toppin brought to Martin Page. And by brought, he faxed them over. This is how they work together. They're never in the same room. They fax the lyrics. They faxed two sets of lyrics. One was, we built this city, and the other was, these dreams. And so, Martin Page says he wrote these dreams in 10 minutes. He grabbed it, and he just had this, like, rush of influence. And the original title for the song was Boys in the Midst. And so, he changed a couple things. He took the bridge and moved it into the chorus, which is, these dreams go on when I close my eyes. That was supposed to be in the bridge, but he moved it and turned it into a chorus. That's what Martin Page did. And Bernie Toppin just said, go for it. So within about 10 minutes, he was able to to come up with a demo and start to see if someone would take it up. And it wasn't going to heart first. It went to other bands. Yes. So, I mean, curiously, uh, this, it's not, Annie Wilson is the one with the, the major pipes, but it goes to Nancy Wilson instead, who has the, the, you know, the softer voice or the less powerful voice. So an interesting choice for sure. Well, Annie would be great for, uh, was great for alone. You needed someone strong for that alone one, like you needed to, to bring some power to that one, you know, to make it uh, um, not too, too weak, you know. To make it strong. But yeah. this one needed some, uh, a little bit more vulnerability, you know, a little bit more vulnerability, but then it surprises you and it brings the uh, the high point uh, from Nancy, good, Nancy Wilson. Good call. Uh, and speaking of vulnerable, uh, she was sick while the she, they were recording the sort of uh, test track. I think there's a word for it. What, what do they call it? Scratch track, I think. Scratch vocal. Yeah. So, but it was really scratch because she, she had a cold... But what ended up happening was they loved the sound of her voice that they asked her to try to sing like she had a cold again. She's like, I, I don't know how to do it. So, I mean, I'm not sure if it's apocryphal that they used a lot of her, that they used some of her scratch vocal to use some of the vocals in the song. But there is something about, I, th- I think you're right on the money with the vulnerability. And it makes sense because uh, it was a big hit, so that it would make sense that they would bring her back to do more songs. Mm-hmm. But basically, they said uh, that they wanted her, they wanted Nancy with a cold. They were like, "Can't you get sick again? We want, we want to hear that voice with a little bit of uh, scratchiness." And Kim Carnes was originally uh, going to try to sing this, and she just said she couldn't do the range, and so she passed up on it. But she could have been the one with the hit. And I think it would have worked all right. She's the one who did Betty Davis eyes. And so her voice could have kind of worked, but she said she couldn't do it. And then years later, it's like, I just gave up on the song that could have defined me. And she lost it. Another singer with uh, using synth music like that. Uh, Betty Davis has some synths, synths in it. Yep. And, and also a scratchy voice. Yeah. It's kind of a theme. Well, yeah, a theme in these uh, mid-80s is... Uh, the synth with the scratchy voice, yeah. eh? Well, they ha- they, it was written for the ultimate scratchy voice. I don't know if that's fair. I mean, I'm no vocal coach. But Stevie Nicks was supposed... This is what Bernie Toppin imagined 
So he wrote it for Stevie Nicks, who passed on it before Martin Page got it. So he sent the lyrics over. From what I gather, he just sends lyrics, not melody or anything. Sent it to Stevie Nicks. And she said no. And when we go through those lyrics, this is a totally a Stevie Nicks song. It could have been. It could have been you, Stevie Nicks. Could have been. Too bad we can't get all these these singers together. Is that right? Scratchy voice. What's another name for that? To say kind of a horse, a little bit of a horse, like in a good way. Uh, you know how they got together these singers like... Uh, raspy. Br- yeah, Raspy. Yes, yeah. Raspy. Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. They brought the Raspy, three Raspies together, and they tried that all for one. They tried for that, that bring these three together. You could have done that for the women too, you know? Maybe if it would have worked out more for the men, that would have been a bigger hit. Great. Well, that's we could bring you back if we were going to do all for one, Dave. You just uh, are Wolfman. So. Well, I heard Frank doesn't love that one, so that would be kind of it would make it interesting too. Well, you know that's great because this means you actually have listened to all our episodes because that was a deep that was a that was a offhand comment on one of that was from the Brian Adams episode, Kitch's debut. So, uh, all right, we got the song history. Anything uh, that they went through, the producer brought it to them. Whole bunch of tapes. Nancy Wilson heard it and loved it and said, I, I want this for me when she heard the demo. And the producer, I don't know if the producer was all over it, but but she said, nope, this is mine. I want to sing it. And and it, she was right. She was, uh, she was the one to do it. Dedicated to her friend who uh, died not that long before of uh, leukemia, right? Yep, yep. Um, she came while it was being uh, recorded, right? Okay, we have uh, three people with English degrees. I think uh, we can handle this. Let's do a lyrical analysis of these dreams. Gentlemen, grab your notes. (laughs) Okay, any overarching themes we'd like to bring to the table before we begin? There's something about, and I noticed this last week when we were doing the um, We Built This City, same writer... But he he tells these stories, but he can't quite get the narrative punch on it. And so there's a lot of imagery here. This this and there's some low hanging fruit. There's darkness. There's shadows. Is it cloak and dagger? Is it spring or fall? It's a lot of um, uh, kind of what do you call it? Opposites or or things like that. But it never really quite tells the story. And I mean, I guess that's there's some some. Um, I don't know, truth to it because dreams are often very not linear and they jump around and stuff like that. So, so the, the lyrics definitely get that across, but I keep reading this the whole time I read it, I'm waiting for some sort of payoff or some sort of conclusion or something like that. And it never really comes. So it seems to be a theme in Taupin's writing in the eighties, at least anyway. That's a good take. That's a hot take. It's, you know, there's a line in it that says, funny how your feet in dreams never touch the earth. And that's how I feel when I read these lyrics looking for meaning. I feel like I'm just about to touch the ground, but I can't quite get there. This is one of the first times I looked at the lyrics. I always thought it was about dreams, like job dreams more, like a working girl, job dreams. I never really listened to the music and I was like, yeah, this is a summer song because I used to listen to this song. Uh, I heard it at the top of a water slide, you know what, maybe... Uh, Maybe at Niagara Prudhomme's Landing or something, you know, or or I some of the, these songs, a lot of these songs from this era, I heard at like um, 
or the roller rink there. Mainly songs from this water park of Prudhoe's Landing, eh? Yeah. So uh, now looking at these lyrics, uh, I can't figure out what this cloak and dagger cloak and dagger means. Well, you know what? I uh, had a moment of inspiration, and I'd like to dedicate this reading to Frank because I think he would be all over this. This is a story about a werewolf, or possibly a she-wolf, because I looked up the etymology of werewolf, and were is actually Old English for man, man man-wolf. But I believe this is a werewolf story. So let me guide you through this, and you can let me know. So it opens with that first verse, Spare a little candle, save some light for me, figures up ahead, moving in the trees, white skin in linen, perfume on my wrist, and the full moon that hangs over these dreams in the mist. You can already see, at least when you read it, like, okay, so I think Bernie Toppin's idea was not to have that big chorus, just like when we built the city, the boy in the mist is somewhere in there. I think at the end, it would keep ending with boy in the mist, but it's been changed up a bit. But in this one, we have her going out into the dark and there's figures moving through the trees. She's got perfume on her wrist. So she's trying to attract somebody or something. Right? So she's, and she's in white linen. No, she's in white skin, I guess, in linen. So I, I don't know what that means. But the key word here is the full moon. It hangs. And so we all know what a full moon means. It means werewolf. So it goes to the next verse. She says, darkness on the edge, shadows where I stand. So she's still, we, I don't know if she's on edge of a cliff or edge of the wood. She's searching for time on a watch with no hands. I want to see you clearly, come closer. But all I remember are the dreams in the midst. I'm thinking she's trying to lure a werewolf to attack her, maybe. I think she might have fallen in love with a werewolf, and she's going to become a werewolf. And then when we go to the verses, and it says, these dreams go on when I close my eyes, I think this is that sort of fever dream of a werewolf where she's out uh, possibly mauling, hopefully animals and not humans. And, And so this is describing it. And so if you were to walk through the song, you'd see this. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you're going to say this or not, but the next line is, every second of the night, I live another life, which is her alter ego. Exactly. Exactly. These dreams go on when I close my eyes. Every second of the night, I live another life. These dreams that sleep when it's cold outside. 
Now, is she going into the night and turning into a werewolf so she can attract Michael Jackson, who has also gone into the night and turned into a werewolf? Oh. Is this a thriller, these dreams crossover song that we just don't even know about? That's a pretty good take. Like another hot take. I, I could see this being a perfect blend in terms of, um, I mean, he runs off uh, out of the, well, let's see. He becomes a werewolf twice in Thriller, doesn't he? And in the, in the movie, the movie scene, he becomes a werewolf kind of at the end when he's got the green eyes. Spoiler alert for those yeah. who haven't seen Thriller. Uh, so, yeah, so she's out there with perfume on the wrist. He's smelling that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so you were, move to verse three. It says, is it cloak and dagger? Could it be spring or fall? Doesn't even know what it, what's going on because, of course, she's out mauling people or animals. Right. And then she says, I walk without a cut through a stained glass wall because she's got superhuman strength. Uh, the, the weaker eyesight's what's throwing me off, though, because I thought, uh, dogs would have really good sense of uh, yeah. sight. Well, maybe to throw another supernatural angle on this, it's not that she walks through the stained glass wall. In, in vampiric fashion, she doesn't appear as a reflection in the stained yeah. glass. Mm-hmm. And that's how she's able to transcend right through it. This wolf, he doesn't want to become human, though. Uh, she wants, it looks like she wants to free him. In a wood full of princes, freedom is a kiss. So he's a werewolf. Maybe that she thinks like a kiss will turn him back to a man. Not, that doesn't go along with uh, werewolf mythology. But And then she says, but he hides his face from the dreams. Like Maybe he's hiding his face. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to become human, you know. Maybe he's. Uh, she has to accept him for who he is, and maybe she's got to turn. She's got to go over the other side, like you said, and become a werewolf. You know? Well, this this is what I've been wondering with that verse there, which comes after the bridge, which is your favorite part, I think, Dave. I can't resist. Then that bridge yeah, there. Yeah. Talks about hiding. She needs to hide away from the pain. So this is, there's an issue going on here, There's but she can't resist whatever's out there. Whether it's a werewolf man that she wants to be with together in eternity, kind of like a twilight situation, or her own desire to feed on flesh as a werewolf or she-wolf. So verse four says, the sweetest song is silence that I've ever heard. Funny how your feet and dreams never touch the earth, which, of course, we're going to have to spend the next hour dealing with. And then and when they say the wood full of princes, freedom is a kiss, but the prince hides his face from dreams in the midst. I'm thinking this is a uh, this is a death wish that she has on the side that what she's actually speaking about, the kiss is a silver bullet. And that's what she's looking for. The sweetest song is silence. I think there's a death wish here that maybe there's a moment of crisis that the prince that's going to take her uh, is the, the guy with the silver bullet. I mean, it might be a bit of a stretch, but man, everything's falling into place so far in my reading. No, because she says, every moment I'm awake, the further I'm away. Mm-hmm. And so that seems to suggest that she, she wants it all to end so she can stay asleep. Well. And that sleeping life is kind of like her, uh, her nightlife. Out in the woods as a werewolf, right? Yeah, exactly. The 
Possibly, maybe the original title of the song could have been Lycanthropy. I looked that up online. That is uh, werewolfism. <laughs> I can't believe Bernie Taupin didn't go with that. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. That, there's, there's, my, uh, there's my reading of the lyrics I was uh, inspired today. So I'd like to thank. I'd like to thank Frank. It's a deep read. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and also, like, uh, so that is... And there is something mysterious about the song. I like that sometimes, even though we 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 feel like we got the the gist of the whole song there, we got to figure it out. That uh, it feels like something you can't figure out. I love it that that it seems kind of mysterious. The song that I can't quite get get a good grasp on it. It keeps me kind of guessing. You know, I like songs that don't totally make sense in that way. That you you get to kind of make your it allows you to make your own meaning, whereas like. Um, I know um, all I want to do is make love to you is a big song for Dave Kitchen. <laughs> but uh, for that one, they don't give you a real opportunity to imagine anything else. And no, 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 this is the story. <laughs> this is what happens. But in these dreams is, oh, is she going, is this a metaphor for trying to find love? Or is this about being a werewolf and ripping humans apart? There, There's kind of a, there's, there's a bit of a gray area there in between interpretations. I'm open to other interpretations. I mean, we don't all have to agree she's a she-wolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a solid, solid reading of the, of the lyrics. Okay. I like right. it. Thank you. Thank you. I like a lot of the imagery. I think not that it all fits together. Like they've got the cloak and the dagger. If it wasn't a werewolf, let's say, but you've got these images like got the cloak and dagger. Then you got them walking through the stained glass wall, like kind of a, like an Alice in Wonderland take or, a, yep. or later on, like a Matrix take. Yeah. There's a line that says, words that have no form are falling from my lips. It's a, it's a great line. Whatever it means, I mean, I, d- I don't think he's talking about speaking in tongues, but, you know, I'm still thinking werewolf because, you know, you don't know you're howling or whatever. But there there is something of that in the truth, like you're, you don't even know what's going on. But the, there there is something about how the words just kind of roll off the tongue. And so he has a way with words, even though, you know, sometimes I can't quite grasp what he's getting at, but... I mean, do we agree this is probably a better song than We Built This City in terms of uh, lyrically? Yes. I, I would say. It actually touches on some, some real dream stuff here. Like the watch with no hands. And I know that there's a common dream where people are late to things. But no matter what they do in the dream, they can't seem to get to the place that they need to be. Um, so there, there's something kind of very, very real about dreams with that one. And then what you said about the, the words that have no form, um, cause that's another dream archetype, which is you, you want to say stuff, but you can't get the words out or you need to perform an act. You need to, to go somewhere. You need to, to lift something or walk somewhere and you can't physically do it. And so, you know, there is some truth to some of these lyrics here that does touch on things that actually happen in dreams. Have you been keeping a dream journal this week as your homework for this episode? 
Every time I finish it, it just burns up. I don't know. There's not even a lighter anywhere nearby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My dreams are all either anxious or just off-putting. I feel, I feel for the character here. This week, I decided when I originally said we should take our, use our dream journals, like, I'd rather not know these dreams. I got, I got to go talk to somebody. We're going to have to bring on a counselor for, for as a guest host at some point just to talk through whatever it is, whatever is keeping me up at night here. I thought this podcast was the therapy. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone else gets to be the counselor who listens. All I can dream about is like being late or like missing or not being on time. Like all I dream about is schedule, you know? You know what you need, Dave? You need a watch with hands. So when you're in your dream next time, just look down. First, see if your feet are touching the ground, and then see if your watch is actually telling time. Is it time to talk about those synths? I think it's time. Okay. A bit of a disappointment in the personnel when I I, uh, currently have a Tidal subscription. I've I've, uh, tested out Tidal for the next three months. Great service. You can hit the little I when you're listening to a song, and it tells you all the players on it. But what it did not tell me was who was playing synthesizers. Then I went to Wikipedia, checked out these dreams. Again, no personnel listed. Had to go to the album itself. Then I had to go find Martin Page's Facebook post on this song. And then I had to go listen to a couple of interviews with Martin Page to finally nail down who probably played synthesizers and keys on this song. And you know what else he played? I do, but tell me. Okay, you know then, he played the keyboard on the Ghostbusters theme? Yes, very good. He also played keys on the um, King of Wishful Thinking. Because he's Peter Wolf, who is the producer of King of Wishful Thinking. And he's also the, he's the guy responsible for getting this song to the Wilson sisters. So he played the synth on here. Right, but he did the Ghostbusters too. So there's iconic songs. He also did synths on Night Shift, I think, too. But the Ghostbusters theme is so critical. So this is our guy. And it, it's a great, I mean, it's such an important part of this song. So when, when I, uh, we're going to get to this soon, the video. She plays guitar in the video. I'm like, I don't hear, I don't think there's a guitar playing anywhere in this song. There's a bass guitar, but I don't think there's any guitar. But to my ears, it's all everything's a synthesizer. And if it is a guitar, I'm assuming it's programmed in the synthesizer. That's my that's my guess. Well the video has I know I don't want to jump too far into the video, but the video has a clip of somebody playing the guitar. So I wonder if there's like a little solo or something like that. I, I can't yeah. remember. I, I couldn't find it. I just know they showed it, but I couldn't find I mean so when you think about the song. We, we, I love talking about the lyrics, but when I think about the song, I'm thinking of those opening kind of keys and and all this, the just that sound that creates the mood of the song. 
so much of this is about that sound. So as far as like, hey, Bernie, great lyrics, because it kind of leaves things open. But with that sound, I mean, it could have probably been about anything. And I would have loved this song. You throw any lyrics onto this, I think. I don't know. These Dreams is such an evocative title. The, the music fits the dreams perfectly, right? I mean, I guess that's what I love so much about it is when I hear it, it sounds like a dream. Very ethereal. Yes. When it came out, uh, I think it was probably about six when it came out. So when they're playing those chords, like the synthesizer, I didn't know what it was. To me, it's like being under a waterfall or it's like you don't really know what it is. It's like going to Disney World or something. You're getting that experience that like, let's say adults are like, oh, that's a synthesizer. Yeah. That's not real music. They have to get by that, um, by that barrier, you know. But to us, that was just music. It was so perfect to me. And it fed into my feelings that live music was never going to be as good as what it was produced in the studio. And, and so much of that, these 80s tunes were made to be f fabricated in a studio with a team behind it, lots of things going on. And when you hear live versions of it, it just falls so short of the dreamlike quality of the original. Like they just can't, you can't do it because of the amount of um, layering, I think, of the keys. And just, I mean, I, there's a demo you can watch of Nancy Wilson trying to get things right. And it's 12 minutes of her singing, stopping, singing again, stopping, and again and again for 12 minutes. It's pretty incredible the amount of torture that goes into making a song like this. And it was so bleak. I thought she'd be singing in some sort of like candlelit room, but it's just some some dark room and it's just her singing and somebody off camera probably just piping into a speaker like, nope, do it again. Nope, do it again. It's funny you should say that because all these songs with the synth, like uh, the um, Betty Davis Eyes, this song, maybe What a Feeling. I don't want to hear them in concert. I want to hear that exact recording of those songs. I want to hear uh, Crazy on You in concert. That's like a performance song. Right. Know? Is it fair to say that it's, lots of these songs from the 80s belong in a, like, they belong on the radio or on your tape player? But going to see him, like the idea of a live show was just a different thing. And I guess that's why they lip sunk everything. Kitch, what are you thinking on that? Yeah, definitely. The um, I don't know. I mean, I've never been to an 80s concert just to, <laughs> you know, and I think now that if you were to hear these songs now, they probably would bring some backing production, it, like not, not just the band itself, but like a backing track or something like that. But um yeah, there's definitely something going on in, in th that this belongs to that cassette sound because there's a there's a part right before the bridge where there's like a I I think it's a synth but it it sounds almost like a like a wind instrument or or almost like a xylophone like a synth xylophone and it's the same sound that's on the beginning of uh, Toto's Africa and yes. is th these kind of generic sounds and so. 
like it's it's to me it's what makes the song great is that it puts it in a time and place so when i hear it i'm instantly transported back to the 80s and there's no mistake about what time it came from but it, i would never want to hear that song live without that stuff so it's right. uh it's a razor's edge that they walk i remember when we saw did you go see hollow notes? we went to see hollow notes together right no, that was Frank. When we saw them, they just played guitar. They didn't play keys for any of their songs. So it just was a bit of a bummer. I also got kicked out of the mosh pit. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> okay. Mosh uh, pit for Holland. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's time. Dave Kitchen, could you bring us through the video? Okay, so I just mentioned that the sound takes you back to the 80s. But this video takes you right into the heart of the 80s. It is um, mm -hmm. like all 80s videos. And I have to preface it that the video has only been out for about two or three years at this point. So they're still trying to figure out what's going on. But yeah. um, sort of in a graphic design sense, most bands were behind the eight ball uh, when it comes to this stuff. Like even just looking at the, the cover of the single, if you look at it, it's got like, I think like a fiery background and then it's got the five people from the band just in the most basic. It's almost like a, like, this is like a grade six collage where people just cut the pictures out on paper. Like it's not even a smooth um, layering of the faces. So there's actual white background behind the people's heads that's on top of the fire. And then it just says heart in kind of very cheesy lettering. And then these dreams kind of almost in a Times New Roman. So no effort's gone into the production of the single cover, so I don't expect there to be any production into the uh, video. But then they went, they went completely the other way. So, uh, so Dave, you mentioned earlier on the um, the Labyrinth connection, and this is totally David Bowie in Labyrinth, uh, or Prince in Purple Rain with the huge, giant um, shoulder pad things. Not even shoulder pads. This is like shoulder spikes. And it just goes into this other place with the the outfits and the giant hair and all that stuff. So it's very, very 80s in that regard. But then there are also these notes of like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. There's a scene where Nancy Wilson's singing and she's on top of this grid and it's just hands coming out. And it kind of reminds me of the scene where they're in the dome, the Thunderdome, and all the people are on the outside kind of reaching in and that sort of thing. It's very creepy. And then it's got all the things. It's got the reverse shot of, of well, it's got people like falling into water, in a in, where they they like jump into water and and splash down. But then there's a scene where Nancy Wilson. They've obviously shot it in reverse, where she comes out of the water, and uh, yeah. So it's it's and it's got it all. And that guitar solo that I mentioned earlier that doesn't seem to appear in the song is so 80s that it's the guitar solo where he plays. He's got his left hand on the frets, but then the right hand is playing on the frets, like a Steve Vai kind of guitar solo. Not the guitar solo where you're down by the pickups. You're like up on the strings, picking away up there. And the weirdest part is it's, you, it doesn't translate to the song at all. You can't even hear it. So I don't know if it's because the video is about 30 seconds shorter than the, the album version. So maybe there's something from the album version that they filmed and then just threw it in that didn't make the video or what, but it's, um, it's really strange. There, there's a white and black swan thing going on at the beginning where it's Annie Wilson's reflection and then it's Nancy Wilson, 
But then I think they just gave up on it, and Nancy Wilson's just looking at Nancy Wilson in the water. Like, oh, okay, so what 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 are we saying here? You know, are they, they two sides of the same coin? Is this an attack on brunettes? But they, they didn't go there. I think they, they, they just wouldn't own it. Um, but the biggest question is, how long does it take to get your hair to look like that? Even in, like, 1980s, when I think of the 80s, I never think of hair looking quite so extreme. But this has got to be a combo of hairspray, blow-drying... Um, is this real hair or, or, or are these extensions? And can you do extensions that look like this? I heard a, an audio, a little bit of an audio. I was listening to a German podcast, so I heard it was German. And then you came on the uh, uh, Nancy or uh, Ann Wilson came on saying that, yeah, they told us, they told us it'll be great. Big hair, you know, it's going to be great. Big, you've got to have big hair in the video. And this is what people want. Well, I mean, it certainly worked. It went to number one, and that was the only, that was their first number one. But it's amazing that the hair is is incredible. I don't know how long it would take to get hair to look like that. It's so over the top, and I think it's because there's a scene right around the one minute and forty mark where it looks like she's about to make out with a chess piece that's like the the knight of a of a chessboard, and it's a mane. She has a mane. The horse has a mane. And it's like the only way I think she can be on par with this giant chess piece that she's about to have a romantic moment with, I think. But it is the craziest hair I've ever seen. Okay, how about, uh, we ready for some categories here? Okay. All right, yeah. how about, uh, do you want to do mixtape, song, universe? Do you have any songs uh, either that would fit into the same song universe or that you would put onto a mixtape? I have, I think I have two, but uh, let me hear, do, do you have any or do you want me to go ahead? I'll go. I have I have a mixed uh, CD that I made with 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 these dreams. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear it. That's where I figured out. Oh, this is uh, that's heart. I didn't even know what heart was, but when you you know when you use download these and you see who is the uh, musician that goes with these songs. But anyway, okay. So a lot of other synth songs, like um, a lot of songs that come from movies, like what a flash dance, like what a feeling. Yep. Uh, what's another one? Um, another one. We Belong by Pat Benatar. Yep. Here's another one. Endless Summer Nights. This one, when it comes on, I can't tell the difference. But I can't tell if it's These Dreams or Endless Summer Nights. And I listened to it today. They are different, but there's just something, some sort of trigger that I can't tell. And usually I'm pretty good at telling what a song is with one, one or two notes. That's deep in your subconscious. That says a lot about the six-year-old self there, I think. And nothing's going to stop us now. And, of course, Betty Davis' eyes. So those are some. Okay. That's good. That's a good mixtape. I went for a dream theme. So these are songs that I think of as dreams. So uh, this song, chorus. And then I would have Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. That, to me, is like my... I mean, that's that's like my ultimate... That might be my... It's in the yes. it's in the conversation for my all-time favorite song. 
and definitely my all-time favorite 80s song but to me everywhere is just ready to it needs a podcast on it so there's one and the other uh would be uh, moody blues in your wildest dreams so i mean clearly it's about dreams but it has that feel that synth feel too or not synth but maybe synth bass that kind of runs it it's a, i think it's a synth bass in that one and then I, I think a Kate Bush song would work well. Originally, I had cloud busting, but after uh, reading how just how dark it is, I feel running up that hill would kind of work, just in that that bigness. That those are my songs for this. I've got, uh, and I think you might have done this on the podcast already. Boy meets girl, waiting for a star to fall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very popular one. Well, that's one of the greatest songs ever as well. Are we on to then? Who could cover the song then? I, I'm cool with that. Who do you have? Who who would you want to see cover it, or who do you think could cover it? Well, I saw the movie uh, A Star Is Born. Yeah. And in that movie, they sing the song "Shallow" by in uh, Lady Gaga's in that song, and she she does display vulnerability, but then she comes to the high point, and uh, so she can kind of do both. So I think she's one of the only ones I can think of who can do that, who can have that vulnerability, but at the same time, uh, really get to that pinnacle part. Wait, you think Bradley Cooper could join her for this as a duet? Uh, you might have to change it a bit. Huh? Yeah, uh, put in the guy part, eh? Uh, it could work. I, um, I think, I know, just for the sake of Frank here, Michael Bolton, uh, if he were to try to do these dreams, I think it could be awesome. And then I I don't know if we'd want to release it, but I would like to see him. I'd like to see what both Michael Bolton and Celine Dion would do with this or try to do when you try to tell him to go settle. Um, I'd be curious what Elton John would do with this song because of the Bernie Taupin thing. Okay, here's another one for you. I think William Shatner could do a fantastic spoken word version of this. <laughs> <laughs> that would bring out the werewolf quality just perfectly because he'd have also i think he'd do like the um the the idea of a guy detoxing when he talks about these dreams asleep but i close my you know and i, I could see him shaking in the forest kind of like the way axel rose shakes in uh one of those videos from user illusion oh yeah the end of Don't Cry. Don't Cry, that's it. I don't even know what's going on in that song. But this Don't Cry and These Dreams are connected somehow. Axl Rose, These Dreams. Might be something there. And I got one more for you. I got a Weird Al Yankovic version called Meme Dreams, where he'd sing about memes. But the problem would be he'd have to re-record it every year to be uh, timely. <laughs> Well, you guys have probably heard that they did, they did do a parody on this song, but uh, they actually did it. They recorded it supposedly themselves. Uh, Nancy and uh, Anne, uh, the I think the Family Guy did a um, Jack and the Beanstalk, and they did uh, these these beans, uh, but they actually did the the vocals themselves supposedly. These beans Uh, Kish, you got anyone you'd want to see cover this song? I was thinking Peter Cetera, 
would do a good job on this just because that 80s sound. And yep. um, I don't know the, the artist, but uh, she sang Voices Carry. Whoever sang that song, I think, could do this as well. Amy Mann from t- Till Tuesday. That would be something. Yeah, she'd be great. Okay, question for you. Is this a sexy song? It's the tribute to Liz category. I think it is. Well, my wife likes it, but it's not like uh, our song. It's not like uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now is our song. But that's kind of a, you know, you sing to each other. This is more of a, a wispy song. Okay, you sing Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now to Ada? We sing it together. Really? Sing it together. Harmony? Uh, maybe not harmony. I can't really, maybe we can't really hear it. She's singing loud, I'm singing loud, we can't hear, so. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Uh, all right. Well, I think this is a sexy song. Yeah, I would say this is, this definitely ca- falls into that category. And it's that ethereal sound. It's just kind of, it, with the dreams, there's something kind of otherworldly about it, which is really yeah. cool. Okay, next category for you. What activity would you most likely do if you heard this song? I'd be driving. I think driving, or actually, what I, ideally, I like. I imagine I want to be on a beach. It's got to be a summer activity, like on a beach, or what on a beach, or uh, if I surfed, it would be surfing. It has a water feel to me too. I, I'm thinking a night swim. Uh, of course, it it had to be playing on the dock. I don't think it's safe to bring music with you onto the water, but uh, I would I would like to hear this while I night swim. Kitch, what would you do to it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I I definitely get the driving part of it, and the beginning part is is got that whole kind of mysterious night thing going on. So yeah, like a a, a walk a walk in the in the 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 forest at night or something like that it seems like an appropriate song yeah be careful out there though when you're in the forest (laughs) okay uh let's see i i just started writing a whole bunch of things down so we'll see what works uh jingle because it's the 80s and it was all about the money let's take it a step further and uh try to try to advertise something with this these dreams what could you advertise i was thinking a sleeping pill would be a perfect I don't know if you're allowed to try to advertise for <laughs> Xanax. Is that a sleeping pill? Xanax? I don't really know my sleeping pill names, but I'm, I'm thinking that would relax you anyways. So I think so. Or an anti-anxiety pill or something? Yeah, yeah. These dreams would be a perfect anti-anxiety. And so you'd have to have the um, instrumental part playing while they give the like eight-paragraph explanation of all the different warnings that they would give on those commercials. Due to the federal regulations. <laughs> I'm thinking more uh, cologne. You know the cologne where all the women run toward the man? Yeah. And he, there are, he, he goes to the beach, and there's tons of Amazonian women, and they're coming to the beach, and they're running, and he starts running away, and there's like thousands of them running after him. Because he's got that cologne on, the uh, let's say the heart cologne, and they're running after him. And then you play the song, there's something out there I can't resist. For me, the song could be anything because it's it's sung by a woman. I just kind of connect it with with like a woman's product. It would be selling a woman's product for commercial, but it would be anything that, and this ties into 
what you were saying earlier, Dave, about the, the way you look at dreams, more of like a dream is in like realizing something, uh, like, like a goal than anything else. And it would be, it would be a product where by using the product, it allowed the women to like accomplish something. So what it would be like deodorant and instead of having sweat stains, they were able to go into that meeting and close the big deal or, or something like that, you know, and it's these dreams. We can do this. If you use our product, you can, you can get it done. That's perfect. There's so much money to be made by destroying the spirit of this song. Uh. Or DeVry, an advertisement for DeVry. Remember DeVry? (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut. And at the end, they throw up the hats, you know? I like it. That's very good. (laughs) That's very good. Uh, Well, uh, was there any other categories with the movies, remember movies. movies. Oh yeah, and Kitsch, you did research oh, yeah. on movies here. What, what do you What do you got? I actually have a site. I have a website in front of me with thirty seven times that the song that hearts not this song but just heart songs in general have been used. And there's something about heart, especially the early stuff, that is archetypal with the the way it stands for for rock and almost rebellion. There's a lot of scenes where when I look at um, what it's used for, it's a lot of um, teens making out in movies and stuff like that. It's like young rebellion that's, that this music is tied to. And, uh, and I mean, I'm looking at this website and there's a lot of things that I haven't seen before. Like it is one episode, season two, episode one of 911 Lone Star. And um, uh, um, like the mat, oh, they did it in the, they used uh, Alone in the Masked Singer, which has caused some controversy this week with uh, Rudy Giuliani's uh, performance. <laughs> but a ton of Barracudas, a, a ton of um, Crazy on Yous. And, uh, and so this song hasn't actually been used. It was used in the campaign, which was the comedy with uh, Will Ferrell and. Uh, Zach Galifianakis, where they played two guys campaigning for a, a Congress seat. And that's about it. But uh, for me, Hart has always immortalized that one scene when uh, in Virgin Suicides, when Josh Hartnett comes and walks through the school and they play uh, Magic Man. Right. It's such a great scene. And it's, the music is just perfect for that scene. And in fact, uh, Sofia Coppola uses Hart twice because then there's that scene where... Um, um, I think her name's Kirsten Dunst. She comes out to the car to set up the date and they, they make up in the car a little bit and that's too crazy on you. But yeah, um, t- tons of stuff uh, on, uh, in, in movies. And I feel there's something that, that obviously directors and stuff go to with this band because there's something about their sound where when they want something punchy and, and again, I feel like this is, this is, if if Hart was male, we'd be talking about them the way we talk about Led Zeppelin or or the Rolling Stones or something like that. Yeah, it seems that like their music is too good to be where they are. Yeah, you know, on on the pantheon of rock, it's you know I don't think they get the credit they deserve. This song is too good to be only featured in Joe Dirt. <laughs> So the challenge is, I want us to come up with a movie where these dreams would feature in it. 
So do you have ideas of a type of movie that you would put these dreams in? I do. I think this song could replace Berlin's Take My Breath Away in Top Gun. Holy cow. I know that's a hot take, but I think that could that could totally swap out. Just like they swap so much saliva on that bizarro. No one kisses like that. I don't even know what that is. That that's just weird. Whatever it was going on in that shadow scene is like what that's that should just be rated X for being screwed up. And that doesn't even take into consideration the fact that he showed up at his therapist's house to have a shower. <laughs> yeah. After playing volleyball. I mean, it's the most ridiculous premise. For me, because of partly uh, the the hair and working girl. So I would go for a working girl, but also because you could uh, use it as uh, these dreams, like the dream of getting a good job. So the movie Working Girl. Or uh, also, if you take it more like dreams, like having dreams, you could you could put it in um, in Inception, even though it's another era. Yeah, it's just gonna shock you, but uh, I would put it in Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm just going to stick right to that. Uh, not diverting from it. I think it's a dream to think that that movie even got made in the first place. That's a dream right there. These dreams go on when I close my eyes. Uh, Wolfman and Kitsch, I really appreciate that you came in to uh, fill the void that Frank has left. Oh, I forgot. I wanted to come up with a category that was, would you run a marathon in Antarctica to these dreams? I would. You got lots of time. He's got lots of time. I'm sure it's a marathon. He's can, he can put in lots of songs in there. I'm sure he can put in all the songs he wants. Maybe he can listen to them more than once. Well, at a runtime of about 3 minutes and 45 seconds, if you go by the video runtime, he can listen to the song about 85 times in a row while on the marathon well frank we we hope we see you again and on that note well i hope you enjoyed listening as always we thank you for taking your time and uh if it's evening time we hope that the dream of our podcast still goes on when you close your eyes